There was a lot of eerie, suspenseful music, as well as grunting and straining on this week's episode of The Expanse, and we're here to talk about it on The Crash Couch. Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Crash Couch. We're here for episode two of season three of The Expanse. I am your host, Chris McGuffin. And joining me tonight is uh, my crew, consisting of Ernie. Woohoo! Hit your tits and pucker up! It's time to peel the paint off this podcast. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry, right. I was. I'm excited you about say this so? episode. <laughs> <laughs> that other voice you, you hear tell. is Laura. Yeah, you can tell which one of us is not feeling the uh, the springtime allergies. Yeah. I, I'm I'm in I'm in your boat today, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can suffer together. Uh, and finally, finally, we have Joel. Yeah, check. Get my check, please. Uh, <laughs> blow this joint. Uh, okay. <laughs> How you guys doing? It's Joel, and I'm only half awake, so this should be interesting. <laughs> you know, I I think Ernie is the only one here that's actually you know full on prepared for this. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. What? No, I'm totally excited. <laughs> I'm like on board. It's a beautiful day here in California, so boom, there it is. All right, well, I'm glad you guys, or at least one of you, is having a a good time, while the rest of us are just miserable. There are four people, and I would say altogether we're about two and a half, and Ernie's just one singular person, the other... We make about one and a half people between the yeah, two of us. <laughs> so, The Expanse. Uh, oh, that yeah. was um, a very, very interesting episode. Because when, like, I just now, because I didn't get to see it live, unfortunately. Um, Laura had to take over my live tweeting duties. And she did a great job, by the way. So Yay! Congrats. Good on Laura. To you. Yeah, thank you. During the commercial breaks, I tried to make it an actual Crash Couch um, fan podcast about Crash Couches, uh, <laughs> mostly because I really love the design of the uh, of the Razorback. So, <laughs> well, I hope that they somehow find a way to just fly the Razorback in every mm-hmm. episode. I know it's not in the books, but and I'm not a purist. It's fine. <laughs> make it work. <laughs> So yeah, um, let's just kind of, before we get into it, uh, let's just have a little quick synopsis. All right. This episode was named IFF. The Rosinante answers an unexpected distress signal. Bobby and Avasarala find themselves being hunted by a mysterious captor. UN Secretary General Sorrento Gillis brings in a colleague from his past to lend an ear during this crucial time of war. And uh, Laura, what was IFF? Um, identify friend or foe. I learned that from Mass Effect 2. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, gotta do. Gotta do. <laughs> it's a really good game. Yeah. Uh, that's not what this podcast is about, but <laughs> sidebar. Very good game. Check it out. Yeah, that's a bit iffy. So <laughs> <laughs> We were waiting for that one, Joel. There he is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm still here. <laughs> Chiming with your puns. You know, I do love yeah. that this episode started with the um, the pursuit still. Like, it, it, it just went straight into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think that this is just 
my thoughts and it's going to counteract uh joel again i know it but i just love the visuals oh, like no. i felt my heart pounding <laughs> i felt my heart pounding the entire first part of this episode and actually it never really stopped because it's a very suspenseful episode um throughout but i just love the visuals like Joel, I'm sorry. Well, like, I, I, I was leaving with you last week. Wait, You're wrong. I love, I love the, the visuals. I just made one comment on <laughs> the yacht last week, and that's it. One comment. I actually, you know what? What is really impressive is the set designs. It's all yeah. about utility. I'm talking about like the like departments or the dining room, like plain old set design, and it's wonderful in the series. Just wonderful. Uh, Joel's been uh, typecast on this podcast, so. <laughs> you yeah. I'm getting a, uh, mail now. No, no. <laughs> a little uh, fun backstage tip is that's why they blew up the ship. They were like, all right, fine. Joel, you don't like it? Let's just yeah, exactly. get rid of it. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. Look good, fine. <laughs> we'll just blow it up. <laughs> but, <laughs> but to speak to Chris's point. It's the tension. I think that what makes this series so good, especially this episode. It's just they're just building on tension and tension and tension. Whether it's in the spaceship, whether when you're dealing with us uh, with uh, the children in the the laboratory, whether it's just in this combat fight between spaceships. That's that just the tension. I love that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that it's uh, such a. I mean, it's such a big universe obviously since it's our whole solar system but it feels very kind of claustrophobic because it's yeah it's all taking place in kind of in these ships and it's between these great spaces but all of that tension that you see is feels very small and cramped somehow it takes your breath away literally yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it feels very fragile. A- any police reference? Don't no, forget it. Different show. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, yet, and yet, we have this, you know, this uh, claustrophobic, you know, submarine type warfare happening in outer space. Mm-hmm. But it's contrasted with, you know, growing plants and tending to a garden. That's great. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's like they're using all the tools from the toolbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's something that I really appreciate about the show, too, is that they kind of show all of the resources because you have to reuse, use, and reuse everything out there, every possible thing. You can find no waste. <laughs> so if he's got these little plants, they are going to use it, they're going to make their resources stretch. I kind of want to discuss for a little bit the decision to um, to go help uh, Bobby and the Razorback because when I was watching this, because if you guys obviously know this because you've watched the show, but there's not been a lot of uh, unanimous decisions. Uh, let's put it that way between the crew. And this is definitely not one of them. Uh, in fact, Prax, who really stepped up um, and, and kind of, he didn't really like have like, he didn't take center stage, 
but he's one of the he was one of those secondary characters in this episode that made probably the most important decision um rather than continue you know going towards their destination to uh, attempt to find his daughter they decide to answer the distress call um that was coming from the razorback and the fact the fact that um, you know, you had half the ship that wanted to do it and half that didn't. And then he was the deciding factor. I don't know. That was just a big moment for him, I think. And uh, it's it's nice that he's finally being treated more as a crew member rather than just someone that's along for the ride. Yeah, he really grows on you as a character. <laughs> I know that's Don't a plant it. Reference, but I'm going to pretend that you didn't say it. <laughs> oh, jeez, Joel. <laughs> no. But you know what, though? I like that uh, the decision wasn't uh, shown. You know what I mean? It's it's They just yeah. showed up, and, and it built up this whole tense moment where they, they kind of, you know, explode the missiles. But even prior to that, I love the scene where Holden like points at Prax and, and kind of said, like, I'm never doing that again. You know, like, I'm never going to make a decision where I'm not – being truthful and uh i I think prax is just growing on me as well because i I think him and his relationship with amos are are like they're buddies like and i I felt i felt like really happy that they seem to be like the the drinking buddies but they're like complete opposites you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but yeah he made the biggest decision that is going to change the whole scale of this warfare and we didn't get to see it we just saw the decision happening you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say uh, that decision and Prax in that situation kind of reminded me of, again, video games. When you're kind of the new character and they just turn to you and they're like, hey, make this big, huge decision for us. You're like, why? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're the you're the one it affects most, except mm-hmm. I mean, it makes more sense here. Oh, uh, well, more to Ernie's point, too. I feel like Amos kind of picks out these types of people, too, that seem to be the the moral center. Kind of just, he's drawn to them, because I think he is kind of confused and realizes that he is not, or his upbringing did not really give him a very... It gave him an abnormal sense of morality compared to, you know, others. So I think he just is drawn to people who seem to be doing the right thing or to be trying at least, which is why he's following Naomi, then following Holden. And now he's sticking around with Prax, who's just trying to save his daughter. Yeah. Let me weigh in on Amos because I, again, he's one of these characters I love because he's a psychopath. But he knows he's a psychopath. So he's yeah. like a psychopath in like rehab. He's trying to get better. Yeah. So he's he latches on to these, yeah, to these people because he knows he's, he's trying to change. And that's fascinating. Yeah. Psychopaths usually don't do that. Yeah, he's got, he's got some self-awareness and he's trying to do better, but he doesn't really seem to trust himself to do mm. that. So he just kind of follows, follows the leader that he thinks is trying to do good and the point i was trying to make earlier is that another aspect of how the crew gets along is everything is put towards a to a vote it's direct democracy yeah 
it's like a pirate's crew back in the day. You know, it, 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 I find that fascinating. So in other words, okay, we're going to go up against a larger, more powerful uh, UN ship, and we're going to do that by one vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Also, that is very inconvenient that there are normally an even number of people. Yeah. That just kind of makes uh, Naomi's decision uh, at the end of last season even more, I don't know what the word would be, but even more important and significant because it was her decision alone. And, I mean, look what happens whenever you mess up that kind of system that you're uh, or that you've been working on for so long. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. But, but I, I, I do want to add um, that I, I didn't pick up on that until Laura said it. And I'm like, holy crap, he, he does gravitate towards the person who's probably the, the best moral barometer that you can find, you know? And uh, that kind of became really obvious at the end when he's talking to Prax and, and saying like, I almost want to believe in the guy who's looking for his daughter and will do anything to find his daughter. That was a, a great conversation, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that until you said it, Laura. And I, I that was oh, genius. Yeah. So <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love, I, uh, I love Naomi and Amos are probably one of my favorite, like relationships, not romantic, obviously, but just friendships in the whole series probably especially in the beginning and mm-hmm. especially in like the uh in the origin comics you kind of get to see that in Naomi's because it's just she's she's made her fair share of or she has has her fair share of history and he has yeah. his but but he trusts her and just kind of follows her and uses her as his his moral compass by proxy. And I just love their relationship so yeah. much and I love Amos. And I feel like he does not give get enough love. Since we're talking about Amos, we could probably go into the scene where um, he and Prax uh, were in a little bit of a pickle. Uh, when yeah. uh, when Plant Guy didn't secure the locker and the tools started going everywhere and uh, eventually um, Prax starts losing his oxygen because it comes unplugged and Amos has to step up and um, while, while the a ship uh, is flying around and changing directions and all sorts, he has to uh, try to help his friend out. And it's it's one of those scenes that like, I would have liked to have been there when it was being filmed because you know it's know. like you know, a, a lot of uh, definitely a lot of probably digital um, as well, but uh, it's a lot of uh, like angled fil- uh, filming and yeah. a, a good acting too on um, on Wes's part because I mean that that to to act like you're in that kind of situation when you're most likely not unless they're in some kind of machine. Um, you know, it's, it's very impressive and it, it looks, it really puts you on the edge of your seat cause it looks so, uh, intense and real. And, um, when he was going through that and, you know, he eventually did, you know, save Prax, but, um, I don't know for, for a second there, you felt like he wasn't going to. And then, I mean, how would Amos feel about that if that would have happened? So, yeah, I had a question about the scene though. Um, maybe Laura might be able to answer it. 
but both of them were connected to the oxygen, right? Does that mean mm-hmm. when Amos disconnected, he has he's not breathing? He's like holding his breath? I think um, I'm guessing Ty is usually the one on the uh, on the James S. A. Corey like official account. Yeah, he because they answered it, mentioned something about that because I think someone asked um, where he said that if it gets cut like that from the wall, it didn't get shut off properly so oh, it, it didn't seal. seal yeah yeah and then amos just sealed his properly so his was shut and so he had the seal in the back so he could use the suit's oxygen i assume so yeah he was i was wondering good. about that too so I'm, gl- I'm glad you saw that yeah i mean i would also imagine amos is more uh experienced in high stress environments like that. Yeah. That's the second time we've seen Amos have to do something like that. Uh, I think the other time was in uh, season two where he's uh, trying to repair something and it's like something on their burner. Um, but yeah, he's, he's pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. I love him. He was just, when he is like in between the inner and outer halls, just trying to strap his tools down and like, <laughs> they're still moving around. <laughs> I do have an observation. You know, I would think if you're going to spend your entire life on in spacecraft and in outer space, that you, you you get drilled into this idea of securing lockers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they really drill it into you. That's yeah. why Prax messed up. It, that was all Prax's fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yes. Yeah, he's used to station life down on Ganymede. Oh, I was just saying, I like. This episode, you got to see kind of a lot of those physics, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to see, obviously, that scene where Amos is getting thrown around, which was just great because everything's just shifting all relative to each other. Mm-hmm. It's just and you absolutely... know Amos doesn't get thrown around often. so <laughs> Yeah. He's usually the one throwing stuff around. Mm-hmm. But... uh and then, obviously, in the Razorback, too, with those couches, they just rotate so st- as the oh, ship yeah. is, like, rotating with it. I just love that. I <laughs> love that stuff. Mm-hmm. I was so stroke for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, what, what is that, three? <laughs> you only get three, Joel. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> sorry, I go back to the... <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm agreeing with everything you guys are saying. You know. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I want to switch gears uh, a minute, if you guys don't mind, and go planet side because Earth is a, is a place that we spend a little bit of time with. We had the introduction of a new character. Her name is Anna, and she's played by Elizabeth Mitchell. And I like her. I I. I'm not going to get my hopes up because the last time I liked a character, yeah, they didn't really end up too well. So, or they don't ever appear anymore. So, uh, I'm going to be careful with what I say, but I hope she sticks around for a little bit. Um, obviously as a non book reader, I don't know, so I can't predict the future, but, um, yeah, I, I really liked seeing that side of this because I, I was thinking, you know, here we are talking about war and fighting and um, just all kinds of drama and intense stuff going on. 
But like we don't see that, and it's a different kind, like a normal sci-fi um, book or series or whatever would probably want to show you the action because that's what people like to watch. But this show continues to give us the the other side of the coin and um, give us these these character interactions that build up the drama and you hear about some of the, like the battles and uh, whatnot that's going on and how some forces are in retreat and all that, but you don't see it yet. It's, it still maintains that, um, that excitement and all of the scenes on earth with Anna. I, I liked seeing that. And I felt like, you know, normally when you introduce a new character that the audience hasn't seen before, um, you have to take a little bit of time so you know get the audience warmed up to them and introduce them and say who they are and what their job is and all that but um i think this was a very 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 well written introduction for the character um i'm not sure how it how it's done in the book if it if it's done that well but um just for like a 40 minute episode like i already feel sort of like i not really on what i i don't know what to expect but I kind of know what to, um, I, I kind of get a feel for, you know, for how she is. I think they did a good job kind of laying out her, the basics of, of Anna, who um, I love. And I'm so excited that she's finally here. Like you get to see right away her helping protesters. And um, one of my favorite lines from the episode was her when she was in the general or the secretary general's office and he asked about the cut on her forehead and she just said your MPs were handing them out to the protesters <laughs> just she's just she's just sharp and I love mm-hmm. it I like the she's fact sharp and strong and in the books she's like she's brave even though she's scared and I love her super super excited that there is this future where I mean we've already seen very diverse cast and very like diverse relationships but that you have this interracial lesbian couple running a free clinic for undocumented people mm-hmm. and it's just accepted yeah <laughs> like and, this, and, <laughs> this is and, the future um, I want <laughs> and she goes up and was like yeah I could really use some kind of uh, you know, monetary donation, and uh, the reply was like, "Yeah, I think we can find some allocation money or whatever." And I'm like, "Yeah, that would never happen today." Yeah, which just goes yeah, to show no. the advancement in in culture. Yeah, I mean, they're still still not great, but they still did that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I felt like the writers did have a big task of introducing her and making her uh, a big character without us really knowing any background. So. I, I really do feel like the UN protest was the scene that really sh- kind of, oh, okay, I, I could see where she's coming from. And you should pay attention to this character. I like the fact that she comes off as being normal. She's not a sex symbol. She's not someone like y- you would see as being a major character, yet she is a major character. And she's bright, and she's on the ball, and she is the ethical center of things. You can see it. Mm-hmm. She's 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 playing the role of a of a pastor. You know, yeah. it's quite common to have like priests and ministers in, in literature. The way she's doing it, it's unique in that sense because it's just slightly 
difference. It's a variation. Yeah. But at its core, it serves the same purpose. Yeah. I love her as as Pastor Anna. And she's probably one of the most gentle, caring people, but also strong. And she's a strong presence. And I made that very clear, I think, right away. And the way she stands up to Aaron right like thank yeah. you this is so satisfying to watch thank you <laughs> also much more eloquent than i would be i think we all like just that, be uh, just be spitting i think we all like that uh it's it's getting under Aaron Wright's skin so yeah mm-hmm. i like her i liked her before but i really so, like her now i really like her and i really i'm really glad they got Elizabeth Mitchell, because she is knocking it out of the park so far. I love that they keep little details, too, from the books. Like, her hugging the pillow. It's just, it's not plot-centric, of course. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just little like, things. Yeah. Yeah, it's little minor things that help make the character um, more, yeah. not just not just more, um, like, realistic and more... Uh, more emotional um but also it helps you know make that connection to the people who've read the books and can be like oh yeah this is still the same character like they didn't change anything um because you know that sometimes that happens when you have adaptations but yeah uh, it's nice to see just the, the small details because you know when you have the two authors of the books actually writing for the show and like producing it and, and being involved heavily. Um, that's the kind of things that you can, you can expect to have. And that um, really just add to the show's brilliance. Yeah. yeah they, they definitely gave the authors their space. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm so glad they're there too. Yeah, right. It's totally understandable. And that they have to make changes for mediums for storytelling and mm-hmm. I think that every change they've made has been thought out. And uh, yeah. I think that it's been well thought out. And I just like that they don't forget kind of these little details that mm-hmm. could easily have just been forgotten. They can just kind of call back. Be like, yeah, no, exactly. this is still our our story, our baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably not the the verbiage they would use, but what i use my baby <laughs> i like how they they tell storytelling but not in a chronological way so sometimes you start an episode like this one about events that happened last year yeah smuggling yeah. the kids off of uh Ganymede, right so yeah. it, you have all that going on but when we see this episode from the very first second it starts we go oh, okay they're just explaining the backstory so it's, it's mm. a really neat way of storytelling because we, we, the viewers, we put the pieces together in our heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I don't think it's something that's done on t- uh, TV a lot too. Like usually when you see risks like that, it's being told in, um, in film or very specific types of TV. Um, but definitely not something just like a, a sci-fi drama. So yeah, that's a good point, Joel. What? I, I made a good point. What? <laughs> yeah, you actually made a good point that I can agree with. Oh my week. god! Okay. And it was recorded. <laughs> hey, <laughs> bonus! Oh, whoops! We lost the recording. So anyway, 
I know you hate the visuals, but I like them. <laughs> Almost 98% of the visuals are amazing. It's just the one yacht wasn't. I, I, I don't know. All right, fine. Just, like, Blow it up. <laughs> Can we uh, switch gears again and talk about the person who stole the show? Who would that be? Avasarala. <laughs> I when is when can we not talk about her? Because she's, I mean, she's amazing. Uh, yeah, she's by far my favorite character in the show. Mm-hmm. But not Somehow only that, we, doesn't surprise me. We we got to see her whistle. That's like the greatest thing. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> so good. And she doesn't she doesn't know how to whistle very well. <laughs> to be fair, she's under a lot of <laughs> a lot of yeah. extra gravity there. Yeah. And to Bobby's credit, too, though, um, the fact that she's watching this whole radar, but on the left-hand side, she's watching Avasarala's brain, making sure she doesn't go into shock or, uh, you know, a stroke. Yeah. I I liked that we get to see occasionally people like Avasarala, people who aren't trained for high G flight, because you get this sort of idea when you're watching sci-fi and you're watching watching them fly around in these cool spaceships and do these cool maneuvers like yeah i could do that like no you couldn't <laughs> really couldn't it's really hard on your body and even astronauts who go up in a moderate amount of g's for a small, much smaller amount of time to like exit the atmosphere and then live in one or zero G for a while or very low G. Uh, they have to train extensively for that. Like it's very, very difficult on your body. I like that you get to see a Vassarala kind of dealing with that. It's kind of a window into the normal person's experience with space. And as she put it, I effing hate space (laughs) (laughs) i can hear her swearing when she wakes up and sees uh jim holden in front of her oh that's gonna be a great episode next week (laughs) james effing holden are you kidding me i can i can't do her voice but i I say this line and i'm i'm thinking in her voice (laughs) of course i mean of course i i should have seen that coming of course that's james effing holden (laughs) I'd like to uh, take back something that I said last week. I said that, well, I, I still hold on to it, is that Bobby kind of, I don't know, felt a little flat for me, even though she didn't do a whole lot in this episode in terms of you know action. She just set us in, in the crash couch and was just piloting and trying to make sure that um, Christian was going to be fine. Like Frankie Adams, again, wonderful job, knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I just, I, I thought for me personally that this was kind of a redemption moment and she didn't even have to do a whole lot. So I, I guess it, it, it just kind of shows the, um, how well she can act as the character. Um, but it also, it just, I don't know, it, it, it gave me a different side of Bobby because, you know, up to now we, we know that she sort of defected from, um, from Mars and has kind of really been playing, as she said, the right side. And we didn't really like, we, we have, we, we know that, but we didn't really see anything that sort of reaffirmed that. But the fact that she cares so much about, um, uh, about Christian 
I mean, and her safety, that just goes to show that she is, um, she's willing to, you know, compromise with the people that at one point was her enemy and, you know, may still at some point in the future be the enemy, but for the time being, you know, they're, they have the same goals and the same mindset in mind. So the fact that we just got to see that development was really, um, really nice for me personally. Yeah. I imagine if you looked at like Bobby from last season, early last season, right next to Bobby from this season, it would be a very, well, I know it would be a very stark difference. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah she's a Marine, she, she, but she's not just a Marine. She's not just a dog of war. She's a thinking person with an ethical base who makes decisions based on what's in front of her. Yeah. In that sense, she shows one uh, shows a a lot of leadership. I'm really trying not to swear there, but I it, don't. <laughs> okay. Story of my life. I'm just like, don't do it. <laughs> I picture a lot of like the later second season, especially just kind of her struggling to break out of her kind of programming from being born and raised in on Mars in the Martian environment where it's kind of drilled into you, you know, that you serve Mars. Mm -hmm. And now that maybe what she's doing is hurting the system at large and maybe like what she's been hearing her whole life basically isn't quite right and mm-hmm. that's a it's a hell of a cognitive dissonance to try and to try and come to terms with so mm-hmm. i think we're finally just seeing her coming to terms with it and i i really liked this episode because you get to see you get to see her in avasarala and kind of where their relationship more ends up Mm-hmm. It was just, just them, like, messing with each other, basically. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> like, sorry, like when Abbasarella is like, are you, are you trying to hit on me? <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that uh, her mentality, though, has changed from this Martian uh, Marine to somebody who told Christian that now she's on the right side. Before she was mm-hmm. so gung-ho about it. So we're, we're definitely seeing a different dimension of, of Bobby and being played wonderfully well by Frankie Adams. But I, I think her attitude kind of changed once she saw the ocean because like that was the, oh, one, yeah. the one thing that really drove her in season two is it, to see Mars uh, be terraformed into this beautiful you know, Earth lookalike. And, and now she's trying to prevent a massive war when she wanted it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I I I kind of think, I mean, I'd, I'd have to go back and probably rewatch season one and two. But um, so far, she's had some of the biggest uh, development as a character, and that's interesting because you know she hasn't been around for the whole series, and even in season two, like it sort of took her a while to get to the point where she had to make some dis- some important decisions about her future and. Um, and and what she wanted out of her own life and you know her personal beliefs so the fact that you know we're getting that i don't know it just 
it's interesting because you know not all characters do that especially one that has only been around for really just a season and a couple episodes yeah i think like you mentioned when she saw the ocean that was a big driving factor she wanted to see that on mars and see terraforming i think she maybe also was a little thrown off by having her view of earth disrupted too Mm because martians are very especially the marines who are taught you know basically for war with earth that you know everyone on earth is just lazy just Mm -hmm. gets everything handed to them that they have all these resources that they just squander and then gets there and realizes that this isn't like the people of earth's fault that there's it's much more complicated that you know Mm -hmm. well it was her conversation with the earther you know yeah that really changed her and it was out of all people he was just what you would call a bum or a transient, you know what I mean? And that was the conversation that really changed her view on earth or earthers. Mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah. Oh, and he's this dude who's trying so hard to be something and just couldn't. But did you see the tie in from this episode with that earther in the street from last season? So you have this guy, homeless near homeless guy on basic and he traded it for his meds. And then he's going to sell the meds to a clinic. I wonder yeah. what clinic he's going to sell it to or sold it to. Oh, see the tie-in oh. tie with the Anna and her backstory. Oh, man, that's good. That's good thinking, Joel. Good eyes. <laughs> so yeah, he was a drug dealer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I found interesting, just a tiny little a line that was mentioned by Alex, actually. Um, is when they initially got the distress signal and he was like, look, I know I'm not in the, uh, in the Mars Navy anymore, but like, that's still a Martian. I'm still a Martian. We need to go help. Yeah. That just, that just kind of, it links it, it. Yeah. It links back to, uh, Bobby because I mean, I, I feel like deep down, obviously, she still knows she's a Martian and she is a Marine. And um, despite her current leanings, like she'll always have that tied to her. So I, I kind of wonder um, if in the future, if she's ever presented with any kind of situations like Alex would have been uh, in this episode. Yeah. So I think that is another indication of just how far how far down that that whole kind of right from the get-go where they just kind of I don't want to say indoctrination but Mm -hmm. you know where it's just Mars first Mars or Martian everything for the good of Mars which makes sense especially right away when it's actually a struggling colony and you need Mm -hmm. to work, work very hard <laughs> to keep it afloat. Yeah. And Mars, of course, is the god of war. Martians in this series are known for their ability to wage war. All right, so you yep. have that tied to so neat yeah. on so many levels. Yeah, basically, everything's complicated. 
<laughs> That's basically this show in a nutshell. This show, everything's complicated. Cry, cry, cry. <laughs> so, is there anything else that happened in this yep. episode that you guys want to touch yep. on? Or? Yep, I got something <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, let's go back to visual effects because we all know Joel hates visual oh, effects. Oh, God. Um, but listen, uh, there were there were two shots in this in this in this show that really stood out to me. Uh, one of them was the maneuver that Alex made uh, through the the uh, MP MP field, um, and also just that turn and how they took out the two engines. That shot was gorgeous. Oh yeah, but I, I uh, but the, the shot that caught kind of caught my eye the most, and they've done this trick before, which is interesting because like. I always think of the matrix when we saw the matrix the first time, like those visual effects were out of this world. And then when matrix reloaded came, came out, uh, it was I, in my head, I was thinking, Oh, I've seen those before. Uh, but they they're doing something similar that they did in season one where, where they show blood floating in the, uh, the air. And obviously Christian is, is under some major body stress that her blood is, was flowing from her nose and it's floating in the air. But when they're walking across the hall and you can see that happening, like that shot to me was just, it was intense and made my hair stand up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was, uh, uh, <laughs> it's so much, obviously, the show is so much more than space battles, but their space battles are um, extremely good. <laughs> yeah. This was this was the type sure. of episode though that I wish never ended. I like I literally <laughs> let out a gasp at the end of it and like just, no, I need more. Like That's this cool. this is the type of episode that really did it for me. Hey, Ernie, just imagine if this was the season finale. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you would you would just like die. Anyway, see you in a year. <laughs> yeah. Or even worse, a series finale. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got everyone together finally. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Which I when that happened, um, I remember when we had Holden and Miller together for the first time, and that really that happened at the end of, at the end of season one, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I loved those last few episodes of season one and i just hope that now that we're combining another set of characters that we've gotten to know over time um that it's going to be uh interesting to say the least yeah it's so good i uh speaking of of just quick speaking of uh instances that just uh, make you gasp or make your hair stand on end. So far, I've had one from the last episode that made my like my scalp just tingle, and then another from this one, and it was just it was Christian uh, whistling the way it just kind of drags out as it like goes to black. The sound effects were on point episode and i really appreciate them i i speaking of sound i want to talk about the music yeah. i just love this soundtrack i know it, it it's so mood fitting and um oh, i can't remember what the scene was but there was one scene 
where it had this um, this like underlining bit of music, and it reminded me of something. And I wish I could remember what it was, but um, I'd ha- I'll have to go back and rewatch it to see what it was. But there's this one part that just oh, it got me, man. It got yeah. me. Yeah, the composer Clifton Shorter. Shorter. I'm not trying to say his last name. Uh, he, he's amazing. He was in, in the credits for this episode, so uh, you knew he he did the music. I think at least some of it. Yeah, he killed it last season too. Mm-hmm. It's been like that the whole show, though. I mean, it, there's yeah. not really been anything, um, you know, that's that's bad about the music. So, yeah, yeah, the, the music is quite noteworthy. <laughs> God dang it, <laughs> Joel! Come on, man! <laughs> what? <laughs> You're gonna bar me? What? <laughs> All right, so now is there anything that uh, anybody else wants to mention before we start to wrap up? Yeah, uh, no, just kidding. I don't have anything <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Uh, well, before we go, uh, there is one thing I want to um, talk about real quick. Um, so personally, I don't think The Expanse has anything to worry about in terms of ratings and not getting renewed for a season four. I think the press alone... Um, for season three, and I talked about this a little bit with Cass, too, when I interviewed him, uh, which, by the way, if you've not listened to, you should listen to it, and sorry about the audio, but, you know, best we could oh, do. Yeah. Um, but, but there is a movement right now going on on social media, mainly Twitter, uh, hashtag Renew the Expanse, and, mm-hmm. and um, basically it's just, you know, trying to show that the show is growing in popularity and is consistently, you know, amazing. Um, not just in terms of the show being amazing, but amazing in terms of viewers. And um, I, I think uh, what the fans are doing now, you know, trying to make sure that it's known and it's even not just the fans too. It's the, it's the, the actors and um, some of the production crew that have getting, that are getting in, uh, in on this too. But um, basically if you, you want to, like I said, hashtag renew the expanse. I use the hashtag in your tweets. Um, tag. You really I mean sci-fi doesn't technically own the show. Uh, they don't make the show. They just have the rights to it here in the U.S. Um, but if you want to, like the best way for it in uh, U.S. and Canada, uh, watch the show live if you can. Um, if you're one of those cord cutters uh, like Ernie and Joel are, I know, um, you can watch the show uh, on Amazon or iTunes. Um, you know, buy it if you want to. Buy the season pass. I'm watching um, it on YouTube TV, by the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I'm watching it on iTunes. I buy it the next day. So. Okay. Um, but you can also watch it on the, the Sci-Fi app. If you have if you have a cable subscription, you can watch it on the Sci-Fi app uh, or Sci-Fi on demand. Um, however, that works. That's what um, I do. Yeah, and if you can't afford to buy the whole season at once, one episode a week, it's literally the same as a cup of coffee. So, I mean, you can if you can afford a cup of coffee, you can afford one episode a week of a really good TV show. If you're not in the U.S., well, I'm sorry about your luck <laughs> because yeah. there's not much you could do there except, you know, continue to watch it on Netflix because it's in Netflix, on Netflix everywhere else. And, um, you know, just spread the word to anybody you know. Uh, buy the physical copies if you see them out. Um, 
keep the noise going on Twitter. Listen to this podcast. Because we're we're very influential, aren't we, guys? Yes, obviously. The most. Also, a sign of how much I talk about it. Um, speaking of physical copies, I got two copies of season two on on DVD for Christmas from my family. They're like, "You like this show, right?" I was like, "Yes, I do. Thank you." <laughs> and I use one. To, well, actually, I use both because I have on demand and Amazon Prime and just all all of it. <laughs> but uh I just use it to uh to borrow out to my friends who don't have it. And I'm like, here mm-hmm. you go, when then give it back and then buy your own. Yeah. I need to still get season two. I, I missed out on it when it first came out. Um, and now I literally can't find it anywhere in store, and I'm I don't really feel like ordering online because I like I like the hunt of trying to find it in stores, but I might have to just suck it up. I don't mind online shopping. I just live in an apartment, so I enjoy, uh, or I don't enjoy the hunt of where's my package? Did someone steal it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Please don't steal. Oh. Okay, well, I hope you guys watch it and enjoy yeah. it and then buy it yourself. <laughs> so, thanks. All right, well, unless you guys have anything else you want to add before we close out, I'm just going to go through the closing. Any last words? Nope, I'm not here. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> All right. Joel, I think you said that last week, so, I mean... <laughs> Uh, just keep it consistent, man. Say that uh, Say that every week. <laughs> of course, we good to go. That's his catchphrase. <laughs> um, well, Joel, why don't you uh, start off the closing by telling us your Twitter handle? Yeah, I can be found on Twitter with my first and last name. So my first name is Joel, J-O-E-L underscore, and my last name, which is Welch, W-E-L-C-H. And what is that other podcast that you uh, frequently attend? Oh, the Sci-Fi Pubcast, who I I, I do it with some co-hosts, uh, Derek Carey and sometimes Renault. And we have a great time talking about science fiction, and we try to take a more of a broad view aspect of the discussion. So uh, turn in. As a, uh, I, I think I've been on the show before, right? Was I on the show? I was on the show. Yeah, right? once, but uh, I think you were sober and we were not sober. or was Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, as, as someone who's been on the show, and I, I do subscribe to it, um, if you're a fan of this podcast, you should probably be listening to the Sci-Fi Podcast, too. Because, I mean, the, the topics intersect so nicely. So, I mean, what else? You know, why aren't you listening to it, in other words? Laura, what about you? What about me? What's your Twitter handle? Uh, it is at Laura <laughs> it's at L-A-U-R-A-A-A-H-H-H-H-H <laughs> yes I do regret it <laughs> yeah that is three A's four H's I made it when I was very frustrated with everyone calling me Lauren <laughs> yeah I can I can see that and if you are just too lazy to type that in, it's also in the bio of our uh, tw- our 
Crash Couch Twitter. Yeah. So I was like, maybe I should change it, but now I I don't know. I don't. You're stuck with it pretty much. The end. Yeah. Yep. And Ernie, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at your buddy Ernie, and also catch me on my other shows, uh, the Retro Convo and uh, When Nerds Attack, and When Nerds Attack reviews. We just did the uh, part two of the Marvel ranking, so check that out. Cool, cool. And what is the Twitter for um, When Nerds Attack? Nerds Attack Pods. One of these days, I will remember it, and I will be able to say it myself. Not to ask. It's on the recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also follow the Crash Couch at Crash Couch uh, on Twitter. Follow myself at The Curse of Chris. And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, whatever. Uh, I just recently moved us over um, our hosting over to Podbean. So you can listen to us on there. Um, pretty much any podcast app you can listen to. I mean, it's very simple if you can't find us and you really want to subscribe let me know and i will we'll, we'll figure something out for you figure out a solution uh we're pretty much on every platform except spotify which would be really cool but i mean only the cool kids get on, on spotify like popular so, kids yeah you yeah be really popular to be on spotify yeah hey we're popular sort of we're, we're semi-popular we're there. Friends. We're there. Yeah, Laura has two friends, so mm-hmm. I mean that that's more than well, more than probably what I could say. But anyways, that's beside the point. Um, I don't Great. know if I have, have anything else to say. Oh, if you want to send us an email, uh, we have an email. It's crashcouchpodcast at gmail dot com. We would love to hear your feedback because I know I promised last week that I would uh, have Twitter feedback, and then I forgot. And now it's way far down in the mentions, and I, I can't get to it anymore, so I apologize. So if you send us something on Twitter or Gmail and you remind me, I'll probably maybe remember to read it. So, all right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of The Crash Couch. We'll be back next week. Uh, what is the episode title next week, guys? It is Assured Destruction. Oh, Assured. That sounds fun. Destruction. That's just what I like. Assured. That's, that's a great name for a cocktail. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm. you should you should have that uh, cocktail at your bar, Joel. The pubcast. Oh, yeah, I'll work on it. Yeah. We'll do some got testing. Got a, <laughs> got a headache thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye now. Bye.